0: You're listening to Infinite TBR, the podcast where we try not to buy more books. I'm Smack. And I'm Gabby. Spoiler alert! We're going to avoid major spoilers, and when we can, warn when we're going to discuss a particular book in detail, so you can avoid that part of the episode. You can also check the show notes for time-stamped flags identifying potential spoilers.
1: Good morning, no. lovelies. Good, morning. good morning. It so it's morning? morning. It's not morning. For no, morning. <laughs> no, it's not. It's four
0: thirty where I'm
1: at. <laughs> it's like solidly afternoon, on the west coast. It's literally how I greet all of my YouTube viewers with "Good morning, lovelies," even though I almost always record in the afternoon. Perfect. And I usually post in the afternoon too. Maybe they all listen in the morning. So <laughs> hey, you never right. know. You never know.
0: So for fans of Chris, we are Smack and Gabby with Infinite TBR. Mm -hmm. Um, For the podcast. The podcast. And they run a
1: podcast called Infinite TBR. And fun fact, Gabby is actually my cousin. Mm -hmm. We are both from the Alonji clan. So she has to be nice to me. But Smack, you're not a blood relative. You can be as mean as you want. I
0: slid her a list of my mean comments so that <laughs> she can ask all of them and you'll just think it's excellent, smack could
1: be the mouthpiece I'm a little
0: better at cursing anyway, it's fine so we dreamt up this collaboration um, Chris came with us to Sirens 2021
1: One. yeah, 2021 yeah, because yeah, they said that they were going to skip 2022 and they swore that they were going to be back for 2023 and they're not back uh, uh, we can uh, live in hope
2: that's like you heard it here first <laughs> they will be back they will be back um just, just a little i don't think it'll be this yeah year, but it
1: might be next year <laughs> yeah well, one can hope yeah for those who don't know simon's Con is basically a feminist book convention that we went to in in colorado and we all shared a Hotel room, room, and we managed not to kill each other. So we decided, you know what? Yeah, well, we can collab. <laughs> totally. And they funny. let me
2: monopolize the bathroom mirror the last night, so I could like do make mermaid makeup. That was very kind of you. For me too. To yes, that's true. Right. Right. Well, you, yeah, you guys went in like
1: actual cosplay and whatnot, and I'm just like too much. You
2: know what? I didn't my first or second oh, year. yeah, I didn't my yeah. first year. But the second year I was like 2019. Yeah. I had like this nice clothing i bought a crown to go with it but i was you gonna, won a crown? well i bought it oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> early buyout at an auction so yeah sirens is they do gender in fantasy literature broadly mm-hmm. um yep. and and so we i talked i
0: think talked about it then at that at that time Chris, you were—you
2: had just started your TikTok
1: channel, yeah. Yeah, I had just started a Cafe Latte, which is about a cafe run by fairies, was not had not been born. Um, I was like just figuring out the app. I actually recorded a couple of memes, mostly like Percy Jackson stuff, in the hotel room because I was in the hotel an extra day after they left, and a couple of those oh, went mini viral, and that Yay! was really fun. That's um, exciting. So yeah, so that was I. Year, it was 2021, so I had just signed the contract for my full length novel Citadel. I was just getting started on TikTok because I was trying to build up an audience for that and you know, going mostly on book talk rather than writer talk. And it just kind of plucked along from there. And then two years later, I was like, I actually know what I'm doing now, mostly.
0: (laughs) So it takes
1: about two years to get your feet under you, it really does, just
2: generally.
0: So, before we get much further, go ahead and let everyone know where to find you and your content. We are going to be
2: cross posting this. <laughs> yes. Us. We'll yes, do the that's audio true. As so, a podcast. Yeah. are a
1: visual person. So, for those of you listening on the Infinite TBR podcast, I have a website, cmalangi.com. Alangi is spelled A L O and is a Nancy G I. Uh, it is Sicilian. Everyone pronounces it Alangi. I hate that. It's not that. It's Alangi. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and uh, yeah, and so I'm there. I am on TikTok underscore author. I am on Instagram C.M.Alanji, and I'm on YouTube. Which, for those of you watching this on YouTube, you are watching this on my channel at C.M.Alanji. So just Google C.M.Alanji, and I'll pop up. <laughs> I'm there, and I, I, know, I also that have that a bunch of books. <laughs> I know. I also have a bunch of uh, uh, books. I have a novella series that is ongoing called Blackwing, and I have, uh, as I mentioned, a sci-fi novel coming out in June. All of that is available on Amazon and Barnes Noble, and the novella series is available on Kobo for you Canadians. Very
0: cool. cool. So um, <laughs> if I think we're going gonna to dive right into either your novella series or your novel yes. do you have a... the
2: fiction
0: <laughs> <Do you laughs> yes. have a... and then with if, if and when we have time at the end we can um ask some fun book questions about you know your oh. like your fun reading habits and writing habits and stuff but um which Wait. would you like to talk about first your blackwing or your citadel um
1: well blackwing is the stuff that is currently out right. so let's start there okay. um blackwing is a novella series that i am self-publishing. Um, and I got the idea for that when I had COVID last year, last February, which was just a cold for me. Um, but I was still quarantining and I was bored. So I asked my brother if he wanted to play one of our favorite childhood computer games, Diablo 2. <laughs> and the whole idea is that you're playing this hero. Um, you can choose a sorceress or you know, a druid, in Amazon or a necromancer or a paladin and of course they all have different powers and personalities and my brother and I were playing multiplayer and as we were doing this I was thinking (laughs) wouldn't it be hilarious if the necromancer who's all edgy and dark and like anti-hero was forced to work together with the paladin who's like the goody two shoes I get all my powers from god (laughs) exactly very not edgy you know what if those two characters were forced to work together to save the world and fight Diablo and rid the world of evil And I thought it was just gonna be like a Diablo 2 fanfic, but then, like, the characters became something different. And then I found myself writing like 20 pages of world building notes. And I I was like, I I should just do an original story, should I? So, the Blackwing series is basically gods hated necromancer, the gods hate necromancers in this world. Um, has to team up with a paladin who gets her power from the gods in order to save the world, which is based on ancient Greece and Rome. And it's really fun. It is a, lot, a lot of fun. fun
2: to too. I Very... have been lucky enough to be part of your arc team. Yes. Yes, it's yes. I've delight. been
1: sh- shooting uh, free copies to Gabby. Oh, we're almost done with book four, by the way. Excellent. Um, I just finished so, book three this morning. No spoilers Yay. for that one. I
2: haven't read it yet. <laughs>
1: okay no spoilers for book three uh book one is called to kill a necromancer um and it's the two of them meeting genua the paladin is like sent on her first ever paladin mission she's like 21 years old baby paladin she's 21 years old she's level one she's just became a paladin last month and and she has some very solid ideas what the world should be it's yes excellent. she's she's very much like this is good this is bad like black and white and like i'm gonna and, make the world a better place and the most precious
0: <laughs> thing about her is that she expects everyone else to abide yeah. by that exact <laughs> same moral code <laughs> and is always thrown always. off when
2: they're not
1: <laughs> it's like it's so obvious what the right thing to do is here people why are you oh my god so, yeah, she she's thrown she's in for loop like after the loop after loop. of lawful good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, she really as is. As hard as you can be lawful good, that is her. That's pretty much it. And it's really fun throwing her in. First, she's ordered to kill a necromancer that's taken over this small town. Things do not go according to plan. And then in book two, she is starting to work with this necromancer, that she again, she's been taught her entire life. Necromancers are evil. They're corrupt. They they go against the gods. But like she, I, she's like, I almost got killed last time. I don't have a choice here. Um, and they're forced to work together to help this city in book two. Hecarab's curse, which has been cursed by the god of disease, and uh, with this horrible plague. Don't know where the inspiration for that came from. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: exactly. And then, uh, and then in book three, the horned guardian. They're following this trail because they've been following this trail to go against a bigger bad and they they first she's asked to execute a necromancer local in town but he's only 15 years old so she's like uh, uh I know she's like uh, he's a necromancer yeah there's a high risk of him doing something evil but he hasn't done anything wrong now and this then three. this is book three, yeah, is book this, three the horned this, guardian this is like okay. chapter one I no, just <laughs> said. <laughs> it's not a spoiler. Like no, it just happened. Yeah. Yep, that's
0: the. what, okay.
1: and then it to kind of spoils from there. Like there's a magic forest. And then the next thing that happened. <laughs> thanks,
2: thanks for. Uh, yeah.
1: Here's who dies. <laughs> um, oh my god! Wasn't then... it
0: awful when this happened? Oh
1: like, I couldn't handle it. Okay. I don't know. I couldn't believe it myself when Janua decided to do this um nice. And then before it comes out, high, not in
2: high school, in college. I once, my friend had never read Harry Potter, and mm. I said, "Do you want to know when Hermione dies?"
0: <gasps> You're Which evil. Which might be the meanest thing I've ever
2: done in my
1: life. <laughs> I'm
0: delighted by how
1: evil that is. <laughs> it's terrible and i'm like i'm like strictly like i'm one of those people who i don't like spoilers and i hate spoiling it for other people yeah because it's like you only get (laughs) first chance what like it's one of those things where it's like if i don't care about the story like i'm never gonna get into breaking bad i tried i failed so i don't care you can spoil breaking bad to me all you want and then it's like but if it's like something that i want (laughs) yeah but if something like, like i'm going to be reading this like it's on my list like i'm Currently, I just started The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Mm. So it's like, yeah, no spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm exactly yeah. so the it's same. Like,
2: I'm arbitrarily yeah. picky about spoilers. Is, mm-hmm. Sometimes I yeah. don't mind. Sometimes I'm very picky.
1: But, yeah. <laughs> but like, also, like, I live with two roommates, and one of them who has depression and anxiety wants spoilers like they they very much like i need to know yeah i need to know what happens do they make it out okay do they die like what happens they need to know and largely it's for their own mental health like i need to know going in if this is going to be okay for me or if i need to like properly brace myself
2: yep that's what happened with the undertaking of heart and mercy by megan bannon (laughs) i was reading it and then i gave it to gabby as a christmas present and she blew through this like four hundred plus page book in two days. Great, and <laughs> and I had slowed down because I got to the point where like, shit was about to hit the fan. Right, it's like, I have
1: I have no idea what that book is. So like this it's is kind old, of but like you
0: have got mail. Have you seen that movie or know The yeah, press yeah. it's, it's you anyway? got mail
2: with zombies so magic zombies oh. not science zombies
1: they're
0: like secret pen pals but they don't know that they're pen pals and in real life they hate each other and so inevitably <laughs> at one point there's the big reveal where they find the big
2: out Um, yeah. i i needed spoilers and then i decided i couldn't do it can't, i'll go back to it at some point but couldn't do it so. No, that's kind of
1: like i've been with books where like i read the girl who could move shit with her mind which is like x-men meets alias and it's hilarious okay but how was it yeah it it was a really great book but then i started on the sequel um random shit flying through the air and it's good it's well written but for some reason i just found myself with this reading block Mm. like two-thirds of the way through and i'm like i just i just can't do it i gotta it's hard to tell if it's the book or you Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's me because the book was doing fine. Yeah, Um, There there was nothing like, there were a couple of plot twists, but like they made sense. Characters are character-in, world is (laughs) world-in. It's not the book. It's definitely me. So I just, I, you know, put that back on the shelf. I will get to it later.
0: It happens. It really does. So So, who is your favorite? Who, I'm going to ask you first, Chris, who is your favorite character to write? in the Blackwing
2: series
1: probably on because he's so much more sarcastic like he is that would have been my
2: guess i know <laughs> he, he, he is, is a crotchety old necromancer yep yeah,
1: he's an he's an old gay he's jaded but he also has a heart of gold because like in his own words i'm bad at being smart Which, like, he is, like, he knows the smart thing to do is just, you know, move past this town that's cursed by God. He knows the smart thing to do is to let this young, impotent paladin get herself killed doing this other thing. And then I'll move it and I'll sweep it and clean up whatever mess needs to be cleaned up. And that's to do what I need to do. Like, he knows the smart thing. But his conscience won't let him do it, and it pisses him off every time because he's like, Okay, I guess we you and I are just gonna be storming up the fortress together, just the two of us with no army, and she has a whole army of undead people that are gonna rip us to shreds. In some we ways, go. <laughs>
0: oh, lots of fun. In some ways, his moral code is like just as cut and dry and yeah. strong as Genoa's, but he's so mad about it
1: <laughs> that's, that's the fun thing about Antiku is that ironically even though Genua is the one who's the paladin who gets her powers from the god of honor Antiku actually has the strictest moral code out of almost every character yeah. he he has this necromancer's creed which is basically like don't be a dick for necromancers and he follows that thing to the letter and he's like this is the morally right thing to do this is the morally wrong thing to do sometimes the morally right thing is infeasible you can't do it but we're gonna try anyway so he does have this moral code and as he and genoa work together she starts to see it more and more of it and she's like oh necromancers maybe aren't inherently evil maybe i might have just found the fluke <laughs> hard to tell
0: and one of my favorite dynamics between those two characters is the way that, in some ways, Antico has kind of acquired responsibility for Genoa. Yeah. They've been traveling together Where enough and like, he knows that she'll just throw herself into let a her situation
2: yeah. and die. <laughs>
1: Yes, very much.
0: I guess so. this
1: is what we're doing today. He—he's—it's basically, you know, I'm writing this in the era of, you know, Pedro Pascal and The Witcher, and it's basically the crotch of the old, the in name. You know, yeah, he's the crotch of the old man, and she's this impotent young thing. Who she's powerful. She's strong. She knows how to fight, and she's not dumb she's just naive and she's like i'm I'm gonna do the thing because it's the right thing to do and he's like god damn it okay All <laughs> <right>. <laughs> i'm coming with you i got snacks and whatever <laughs> and
0: she uh, needs snacks
1: she does need snacks she literally burns through the calories but yeah no book four ghost peak comes out may 5th mm-hmm. and then i haven't settled on a date or even a title yet for book five which is when i'm gonna be after book five, I'm taking a break from it. How <laughs> um,
2: far ahead have you planned in this series?
1: Um, far. Scabby said something
2: about 20 books, and my yeah, head almost
1: exploded. I have, <laughs> I, I'm a planner, okay? There's planner versus pantser. Hold on, let me get to the desk here. There's planner versus pantser. Planners are the ones who outline everything. And while I don't have like a hard outline for the next several books, I do have notes cards
2: always helpful that's a lot of <laughs> note cards oh and God. some of
1: these some of these are like the first five yeah so like getting rid of the first five and some of these are like totally empty what is this oh yeah that's an idea for like a future book that's the fun thing about doing a novella series is you can just kind of do whatever yeah. you can just put it in a better but pl- so yeah early. these are the
2: ones it's real easy to like see the Future yeah. plot stuff. Like like it, some of them I can pick out and it's very exciting as yep. it happens. <laughs> but yeah, these <laughs> hold on one second. we're on the room above the garage and so when
1: the door goes up and down, like it, the microphone you picks can hear up. it. Yep. Okay.
2: So But yeah, no, <laughs> I, uh,
1: these are like these are like all of the notes for like the next several books. So there nice are split. at least
2: oh. Oh.
1: <laughs> the garage is back. Someone came home. Yeah, uh, I feel yeah. I live in an apartment myself. There's no soundproofing. Whenever there's like birds or police anything. or a helicopter or anything, you can hear it in my YouTube videos and even my TikTok. So that's cool. why we don't record at Gabby's place.
2: She lives I live in the flight path. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> kind well, of. I live adjacent to the uh, close enough to the just flight path. She lives
2: in like a generally cooler place, so they're like
1: cars and people yeah. and i live <laughs> yeah. the suburbs i was really jealous of gabby because you're like what half you know five minutes away from She's the beach or whatever in oh, yeah. the ocean yeah. i'm
0: i'm technically one block from the
2: ocean it's a very long block though
0: but but, like, you.
2: <laughs> but it's the cliff
0: so like you know you can see the ocean but to get but to it the beach further. is
2: longer <laughs> poor gabby Jesus Christ. Okay. (laughs) Fine. Whatever. Whatever.
1: Anyway, so who's your favorite character in the book? Mine? Yeah.
2: I was thinking about that. And I I don't think I would love either of them separately as much as I do together. Together. Yeah. They're perfect together. They're perfect (laughs) together. In a way that I would not have because like you don't a lot of books you don't really have older characters. They're all Mm twenty-five or Jinwa's age. And it's just so much better with a crotchety old dude tagging along behind to make sure you don't die
1: <laughs> yeah it's,
2: <no>. their dynamic <laughs> is what makes these books good it's just awesome
1: they are really you? fun yeah which one and do you uh, like
2: better
0: i think i agree with you of course you do but as of book three i have a like not necessarily contender yet but i'm very excited about someone we meet in book three that i can't talk about
2: <laughs> without. is it the crow god no no oh so yeah. i She's mentioned the crow yeah god like i have times. i'm very right.
0: obsessed with my pet theory about what's gonna happen <laughs> yeah, um,
1: yeah yeah book five
2: Bye-bye. book five
1: excellent book five that's all i'm gonna say about that how long does it take you to write one of these So these were cranked because they're novellas; they're shorter, and I chose to do them specifically because they're shorter. I was I signed the contract for Citadel, a full length novel, in twenty twenty one, and I was told it'll come out in twenty twenty three. Originally, we thought it would be like spring, but then it was like, oh, it's going to be June instead, and I'm like, that is forever from now. And I came up with the idea for this series in February of twenty twenty two. So it's, and I'm still technically working. I just got some notes back from my editor. That's going to basically be a wholesale revision of book five. Um, So, so I'm able to crank these out very quickly. Book four, which we're tinkering with, with like grammar was also another whole revision. There was like a completely different premise and they were going to do like this murder mystery thing. I've tabled the idea for later, but it just wasn't the right time for this one. So that was a bit of a rush job <laughs> but um we all really like but and the beta readers that i've hired three, really like
2: four novellas in one year that's pretty
1: good we have four novellas in about a year and then finish the rough draft and the revision of five in like a month It's a then very later. solid pace yeah thank you. and but that's why also like i need a break after book mm-hmm. five because i don't have book six ready yet nope. <laughs> like i've got it nope. basically outlined but you know uh and there's also like eight other writing projects that i have going on at once and Mm -hmm. i'm just like table this for now and then i will get back to it i swear
0: yeah doing the same thing for too long any and no matter how fun or it -hmm. takes a toll Yeah.
1: yeah yeah it really does i recently just had to go on just a little hiatus from cafe latte on tiktok because I'd been doing it, like, 50 episodes straight, one episode a day. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So I was just like, and I was like, literally, like, I had the script planned out and everything. But I'm sitting there in front of my computer with the camera ready. And I'm just like, I can't fucking do it. I need, like, I could have pushed through that block. But I'm mm-hmm. like, no, this is gonna. Good for if you, I, you if you I don't take it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Good I literally. You, you know, setting boundaries for yourself.
1: Yeah. I literally let everyone know what to pick. Hey, just I am. Just taking a little break from this for now something and then uh you know focus on something else and the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive everyone being like hey take care of yourself we get it we're a little disappointed but we will be here and we look forward to what's next so that's nice
0: so uh, while you were writing blackwing what were the e- what are the easiest parts to write and what have you found are the biggest challenges
1: well, the easiest parts to write would be like the world building because I'm a nerd.
0: Um, Your world building is so, great. It's, it's also very interesting, cool. yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, so the world building, the history of the world, Antigu's impromptu lectures on how all that works. That's just me. Yeah. We, got <laughs> um, a, we
0: got in the book three, you get the series of like how the gods
1: like the primorials oh, the nature yeah series, get some of that like yeah, yeah. yeah all that
0: historical background
1: okay. yeah the, the kid necromancer that i mentioned is asking him why do they hate us so much and Antika's like well here's all the historical context <laughs> um, so yeah and there's a little more of that in book four too so that's really fun the dialogue is really fun too although i often have to go back and unmodernize it yeah. um so it fits so those are the easiest the fight scenes are pretty fun for me to do too what's difficult for me is like often is killing off characters um when so like yeah <laughs> i can't do that um yeah when like i don't like killing off villains like that's really oh, yeah. but like you know you keep wanting good things to happen to the good characters right. but the thing with good storytelling is you can't have that happen like no. if you want fluff go to fan fiction i can't, I'm not here to deliver that. I need to bring pain. And so it's figuring out, you know, I need to hurt these characters, but like, do I kill this one off now? Because if, but if I do that, then I'm like completely <gasps> nixing a potential future arc later. So maybe like I make them think they're dead, or like maybe I just separate them, or maybe I just introduce a new character and then kill them off later. And well, like, it's yeah, it's a minor character. Yeah, it's very much easier to kill off a minor character, and if you're doing it right, like if you, I don't know if you guys ever watch Full Metal Alchemist. I have not um, not in a long time. Oh god, yeah, I know it's a great anime and um, Brotherhood, I should say yeah. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and uh, the manga that's based off. Very good, but there's like a minor character who gets killed off fairly early on, and it just hits like it's 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 rough and it like determines the course of the entire rest of the series too. And he's a minor character, but like you still really care about him and his family and the impact that he has. So, so that's, that's like top gear. It's <laughs> <laughs> part of the inspiration. Rick Riordan, who did Percy Jackson, that's another big inspiration because he's kind of like, as you may have noticed, these books and all of my writing tend to have a very diverse cast of, you know, genders, sexualities, people of color, people with disabilities, autistic people. So like and I am not all of those things. So it's like Rick Riordan is kinda like the the inspo of like being a majority author, I guess you could say, with with a wide diverse cast that is like widely said like, yeah, this is how we are. We can all see ourselves there. Yeah. Yes. There's that. Um, George R. R. Martin taught me how to kill people so it's kind of solid, a solid, solid mentor. Blend- that. <laughs> you know, blending of that. That's a pull from everything, really. What was your favorite
0: scene to write in the first, I guess in the first two, first two, the first two,
1: but <laughs> um, yes. in either to kill a Necromancer or head curse. Um, all the scenes with head curse, when Janua is going against, the other paladin, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know, uh, yeah. in, in Head curse, she meets another paladin of Jadim. So they're two paladins. They're both worship the same gods, but they have two very different they, takes Very interesting on context. how yeah. to do that. So that was it. Was really fun to contrast this, you know, young headstrong woman with like very strict views of what's right and what's not right with someone. Very similar with the very same background, but from a little more self-centered purpose. And you someone know, with more whenever experience. she's yeah. so like it's yeah, not someone like with she's more experience can knock him aside. Which is exactly, and and otherwise. more power, yeah. yeah, and more power than her because he he has destructive fire. Like he can actually yeah. do more things than she can, so she has to be a little cautious around him. But she's not a very cautious person. Nope. Yeah. So yeah, so it was kind of fun writing genua in a situation where she's actually kind of right like in all the previous scenes whenever she's going against antico antico is usually correct just because he is more dated and also just ha- knows more about the world and how it works and-, and why it works the way it works and she doesn't she's you know as we especially found out in book four she really does not Oh but in this case, in in Curse... Yeah, Ghost Peak was the site of a necromancer school, just an FYI. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, whereas in uh, in Book 2, Hedgarib's Curse, it's it's pretty cut and dry. Like, you know, it's like, you are supposed to help people. That's our job. And this other pal is like, no, I'm supposed to protect the temples. And I can't do that if we get, you know, th- this plague was sent by another god. If I go against that other god, I... I'm going to be putting myself and the temple at risk. I can't do that. And she's like, bitch, yes you can. <laughs> that's what we're that's supposed almost to word do. To word
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's great.
1: So yeah, that that's that's really fun with those two books was having Jinua be like, Oh, that's right, she's actually sometimes right and she is coming from a good place and you really do get to see her shine as she's like this is why i decided to do this to follow this path to help other people and if i have to fight a literal god to do it i'm gonna fucking do it
2: that was another part of the second one that i really enjoyed because in the first like her inexperience is what holds her back from like being Mm -hmm. able to take on the necromancer by herself but the second one like she is very clearly outmatched by most if not everyone she's standing against yeah like there's an angel from another god that appears and yep and that same necromancer who's clearly stronger and more experienced and so like she it was interesting to see her like take a breath <laughs> try to do <laughs> like, the smart thing <laughs> yeah, try to, like, like Tiku, instead of just like forming her way through her problems <laughs> And exactly. the third one
0: ends up being a perfect follow-up to both of those in that sense. Excellent. Because in the third one, she's in this position where she's the one with the most power in the whole situation. And she's put into this, like, now this, like, moral dilemma of what to do with this necromancer mm-hmm. kid and everything and else. And the enchanted forest on. and everything yes. else. Yeah. She- and there's a particular scene where, like, Antico has to say, <laughs> she's like, what, you don't think I can be patient? And he's like...
1: Okay. <laughs> no. I don't think <laughs> No. no I can <laughs> <laughs> they're just yeah. so much. They're so great. Yeah. yeah. No, they're they're really fun to write and it's just, you know, enemies to lovers is like taken over so much. Okay, uh, it's like a really is. popular trope, but I am like a romantic asexual. I don't experience romantic or sexual attraction. So like there's already a disconnect for me there, but I've always loved friendship plots, and especially enemies to friends. Friendly. And that's basically what we're seeing here. Like, this whole thing, like, it, it does get dark, it does get a little gritty, there, you know, stuff happens, but at the end of the day, it really is just me squealing about the power of friendship. Yeah,
2: That's really all you need. <laughs> <laughs> you can be sad There's... and do dark things. Oh, exactly. You're,
1: nice, exactly. to your like you're friends. nice to your friends. <laughs> exactly. And, like, every single... Every single major character, I should say, with some sort of ability, be it paladin, Necromancer, Demigod or anything else, they're all somewhere in the rainbow umbrella. And that's very much by design because we need more queer rep and we especially need more aromantic and or asexual rep. And I was like, I can't find it, so I'm going to make it. So that, that's why part of the reason why Antico is an old gay. It's a large reason of why Genua is an aromantic pansexual, as she discusses that a little bit in book two, and then it, you know, becomes a lot more obvious in later books. Book three, we meet a trans character. No idea what I'm gonna do with the, um you know who I'm talking about, I know the you're guy with about the horn.
2: It. God damn it, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a, probably a I honestly haven't
1: figured it out. <laughs> the Horn Guardian. You know her. <laughs> yeah. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> Read Don't the book. It. It's the title of the
2: book. I will get to it.
0: it. <laughs> We've been yeah. she's
1: been very busy reading your novel. I know. Ooh. I
2: blew through it in like Yeah, that's true.
1: Flawless well, segue, let's talk Citadel. Yeah. <laughs> this sci-fi book that comes out in June. June twentieth. Um, June twentieth. And you guys didn't hate it, which is which is good. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Gabby. I mean, that's
2: um, a nice Sm- baseline, but like, we we actually like enjoy yes. it. Yes. So, <laughs> smack got to hey, I did. Gabby came over while she was reading like the last forty <laughs> pages, and we sat outside because it was a nice day until the sun went down. Because she was she was like the closer she got to the end, the slower she was reading. Oh, and sorry. I had my shirts <laughs> on. I was like, wrap it up, wrap it up. We have to go inside. <laughs> <laughs>
1: she was like, you don't understand! Yeah. And now you do. Now I do. Now I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, Citadel, hold on, it's over here. Just pretend I'm way more professional about this than I actually am. <laughs>
2: there,
1: there. Got it. There! Oh, good, you have one too. <laughs> we we both know what we're doing. Awesome. So, Citadel is an actual full-length novel, uh, completely separate from Blackwing, and a science fiction, and the short version is... There are uh, humans versus aliens that they think are demons, but are actually telepathic, telekinetic wolves with wings on an alien planet. That's it. That's the book. <laughs> Yay! And that's all there is to it,
2: and it took me a really long time to read. Okay. So how long did
1: it take you long- to read that one? Since I was 12. Okay. Um, oh, it's your no joke.
2: I thought, like, it's either going to be, like, a year and a half or, like, a decade.
1: yeah no no joke that when i was 12 years old was when i wrote my first full length like 300 page novel and i was so proud of it and i made my poor father read it um and he did and he gave me some really good feedback um it's like obviously over the 12 years that it took me to actually get the publishing contract it went through endless revisions and rewrites and revisions and rewrites but you literally can draw a straight line from that lost manuscript to this like olivia was a character in that original one although she was a side character who was there to like give them directions basically um (laughs) and then she eventually became the main character syringe slash freckles previously named mouse was there for uh, most of the incarnations. He's also one of the older characters. Riley has been there for a very long time, almost always with like, the final version that I settled on was chronic migraines that he suffers through largely because my mother also suffers the same, but he's always had some problem that has kept him from being the traditional macho man. Um, Mm. Usually he was blind. There was one version where he was like wheelchair bound something kept physically holding him back. And then right. and this one was like an actual where, where, where there's um uh, a forest that literally floods once a week. So cool. And like, they, I know the flooded forest that actually came from, there was this documentary I was watching. I forget what it was, but it was about the, the Amazon, the jungle. Yeah. And there are actual freshwater dolphins Swimming around in like the the more flooded areas of it, and I remember seeing that on screen, and I was like, "That is like some alien shit." That is so cool. <laughs> and literally, like three months later, as I was revising Citadel yet again. I was like, I should like incorporate that into the world. Let's make that the
2: entire biosphere. (laughs) Yay!
1: It really. Well, we don't see the entire biosphere though. We just see this little corner of it. Um, We just see the flooded forest and this one human city plop in the middle of it. I do really like how uh,
2: the farther you like it starts with just the citadel, mm -hmm. the city, and then a ring of like agriculture around it. And there was an explicit moment where they're like, "We." can't get very far we haven't mapped the planet we don't like know what else is out there and then olivia as she goes to live with the chimera slash demon slash winged wolves like she gets to see some some more of the world and i as a reader while she was going around being like they could put a city there they could put a city there how long would it take them to get here i don't know
1: (laughs) yeah no it's world building that was really fun and you know i i'm not I wasn't a huge fan of science. Like I have a bachelor's in history and social justice, which are more the human sciences. It's kind of like, here's how batshit insane humanity is. That's cool. But in terms of like biology and meteorology environmental and you know, environmental yeah. ecology, like I, I got like C's in that cause I just had no interest in it. But for this one, I, I did some actual rolling up the sleeves and some serious Googling and YouTubing of like, <laughs> There was this great, couple of great world building channels that literally broke down the science of like, here's how the distance of a sun or the different types of stars and suns would affect how plants look, how, you know, the climate is and, and this, that and the other thing. So like I did a lot of that and then forgot most of it and then just kept the most important bits. Right. Um, and it was, that's the, the world that that's works. Italy. I was really the, delighted yeah. with
0: your implementation of the planets. It was such a small detail, but the fact that the planets rings have this effect where if you're in their shadow, mm-hmm. it's like icy wasteland. And I just thought that was yep. really cool.
1: We're going to see that if, if I get, if I get renewed. for a sequel. knew it. <laughs> yes, they, My agents are literally like have, have a rough draft of the sequel ready by the time this comes out. So we can start pitching it to the publisher. So you're ready, um, right? And that you're is, ready. You're totally yeah, on top of this, it's, yeah? <laughs> it's outlined. I'm plucking away at it. Most of my attention is on the Patreon accidentally kidnapped yeah. thing at the moment, but as soon as that's done, then it's going to be Sanctuary, which is what book two is called. Um, oh, that's, that's and then good. That's a good probably title. something else. So, yeah. there is. So you yeah, think there's, it's going to be there, a trilogy? We're aiming for a trilogy. I'm hoping for more, if we're totally honest. like I can t- carry this for a long ass time, for a while, um, yeah. <laughs> but if I if I just get the trilogy traditionally published, and then go we back to whatever, whatever you want, it, yeah. yeah, and then like you know, if Blackstone is like we just wanted the trilogy, like we have no interest in a book four, be like, well, I have a book four, so <laughs> I we'll have interest in it. In
2: if, if they publish three books, then there will be a fan base already.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That's. So that's the hope, anyway. But for now, I'm just focusing on surviving the the launch of book one. Yes. And, uh, How is that going? It is going pretty well. Like, obviously, I now have like an actual TikTok base and following and social media following um, who are really excited about it. So you should um, be. Yeah, we're. You. we're <laughs> 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 you should be. So, um, if you follow me on TikTok, you know that I'm a big fan of like skits and like acting out some characters and whatnot you know myself versus this hypothetical ableist sexist homophobic reader those are always really Mm -hmm. fun to do but also like the characters themselves that's gonna start happening on my tiktok as you know I have I live literally had the skits to those scripted out and sitting on my laptop for months waiting for us to get closer and closer to the release date so I could actually start doing them and hovering over the the record button. Let's go. Um, So, yeah, it's gonna be fun. The the only like problem, so to speak, is that my social media presence, I, I tend to like doing Funny, lighthearted, like even though I tend to go a little heavy with the Citadel cafe latte is it does
2: light
1: it's not. It has its moments, but it's and it does have a happy ish ending, but like it's I mean, it opens with it's the death really of her boyfriend. It's
2: a really dark world, yeah. <laughs> it
1: opens with it the is. death
2: of her boyfriend, and then within like 40 pages or whatever, we also get to watch her mother. Dry.
1: Yep. Right? Oh, uh, wow. chapter that was, yeah. Chapter was The opening. Yeah, like chapter three or four. It's chapter four. Is the okay. flashback where we see why her mom is not in the picture. It's like, oh yeah, she was executed by the state six years ago. And like,
2: we need um, to get all of that information nice and early. But it sure does set the tone for yes. the rest of the book.
1: <laughs> yes. And it's and like, here's how reasons... shitty this society is, yeah. and all the things she needs to fix. Brace yourselves.
0: <laughs> and yeah. one of the reasons why I struggled to read so the ending so quickly is it's the okay. type of world where you're like i don't see how this can end well She's said like eight yes. times so much there's just you know they are only a, like a couple of people they're up against overwhelming odds and it's just you can't see how it'll pan out successfully mm-hmm. and so well at least i was brave. Yeah. it didn't
2: yeah <laughs> yes i, was, you're well. I, had the I was really
1: worried <laughs> <laughs> unless, <laughs> like an <laughs> exactly, and that's that's the thing when you look at social movements throughout history and all that stuff. Whereas, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm, it yeah. doesn't happen right away. It's Which like what the, we really the best
2: in fantasy fiction.
1: Yeah. In like, fiction, exactly. Whereas this one is like you've completed step one. Yep. eighty more to go. Yep. <laughs> that's kind yep. of the thing where it's like it, you're ending with this tone of we have accomplished a lot we've taken a major first step this is huge this is unprecedented in our history but oh my god we have so much farther to go
0: yeah and I think it was perfect I don't think you could have ended it any differently without it either undermining the entire story or Mm -hmm. kind of copying out I think of the message you were trying to send
1: yeah and that's one of the other reasons why we really want to have be renewed for a sequel because now we've finished step one okay now we eat. 80 two. more books
2: okay
1: <laughs> exactly. one for every
2: step <laughs> yeah right
1: give me that advance and i'll start writing you know i, I do need Yay. to eat show me the money <laughs>
0: So, what was it like? You you've talked a little bit about how you, like this has seen a lot of iterations. What did you find? Again, uh, we kind of asked this with Blackwing, but what were the easiest bits to write, and what did you find the most challenging? And you kind of talked about the world
2: a bit. It, like, but... I was telling Gabby this the other day, but like writing a long book is super mm. different from writing yeah. novellas.
1: It really it, it is. It, it takes a chunk out of you, and it, and it does take longer. And I'm I'm a fairly fast writer personally, but it still takes me, like, two to three months to crank out a first draft of a full-length novel. Um, (laughs) That's just the first draft, though. It's the revisions that'll get you. But, yeah, what I found myself stalling when it came to doing the flashback of Killing Off the Mm mom. that was just, like, oh, God, I was really dragging my feet leading up to it and doing it, and then immediately after I finished that chapter, it was a breeze, Mm -hmm. and right up until... The midpoint, and I don't want to do spoilers, but the Chimera does have ancestral memory, and they basically drop the earliest memories of the earliest Chimera in Olivia's head halfway through the novel to answer all of her questions. So we've been fighting you people for like 400 years. None of us really know why. According to our records, you struck first, but according to your guys' we struck first. The church says you guys are demons from hell sent by, and we're like supposed to purge the world of you to get into heaven, that's obviously bullshit. So like, what's going on? She's she's like really the first to cross that bridge and they basically just drop the mm. the ancestral memory into her head and that was a tough chapter to write cuz I'm just yeah. like,
2: that was that was a really good midpoint too because like mm-hmm. you read it and then she decides to change her location, which is like this a fairly large shift. It's a good midpoint to have mm-hmm. in in terms of the plot
1: yeah midpoint plot twists are, yeah. are really fun because they they let you have a lot of fun in the beginning of like setting it up and then pulling the rug out from everyone's feet and the <laughs> character's feet yes is is really fun. So yeah, so those were the two most difficult chapters to like mentally and physically go through because of all the shit that happens in those chapters and then the ending saw the most revisions not Mm. in the overall tone but in terms of like who dies and who doesn't die there is a major character that i almost killed off and instead decided yeah almost killed off and instead i was actually reading it through the villain's point of view augustus's point of view and when i got to that part i'm like no, he'd keep him alive as a hostage. So I knew it! He, I he, knew he almost <laughs> died. Yeah, and <laughs> instead he's the hostage. Dangle to keep Dangle uh. to keep Olivia alive. I had to, like, rifle
2: through That's my mental collection <laughs> of characters. Like, like I got to the point where he's injured and then taken as a hostage. And I was reading it. I read that part twice because I was like, I know I know what these words mean. <laughs> I know how yeah. this went in yeah. <laughs> an earlier draft.
1: Yeah, earlier, earlier drafts he died and then someone else died. And then I was just like, no, that doesn't make sense for him to do. I want my villain to be smart. I'm just um, picturing which, you
0: sitting in front of a whiteboard with like magnets with each character and it's split in half, and one side is stays alive and you'll have the other half is dead, and you're just standing there and like, like moving like, characters it's back it's and
1: forth. A- which, which direction looks prettiest? I <laughs> mean, that's kind of basically how it is. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I changed it up a couple of times, then landed on the iteration. There was a character who was going to survive and then i decided no it'd be far more satisfying they need a win let's have the chimera tear them apart and uh... (laughs) i was worried that wasn't
2: going to happen
1: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah one one of the villains instead of having like a bigger villain arc in in book two i was like no we'll We'll kill him now. It's give give, give him a win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, there are plenty of other villain options yes. oh, to explore yeah. for book too. Yeah. There are plenty of them. Yeah. So yeah, so that was fun writing Orma because Olivia is the main character and she is nonverbal autistic, which I have a little author's note in the beginning explaining that because it's not mentioned. It, those words don't appear right. in the rest of the novel, even though I do my best to portray her as autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because Citadel is, it's incredibly ableist, they and sexist and dogmatic, they've lost a lot of their their knowledge and history from previous centuries. So they just they just don't know about mental health and and all that stuff.
2: And that that was really interesting. Because even though they don't have the word autism or autistic, like, they very clearly to like the doctors do all the same things they do with autistic kids Mm -hmm. in our world like
1: yeah how do we
2: fix them why won't they talk type thing
1: yeah and that's 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 the thing because like olivia doesn't need to be and like you know i'm going to preface this by saying i am not autistic i am allistic very boring vanilla brain up here but um <laughs> but yeah no so like olivia's biggest disability is citadel itself like mm-hmm. that's, that's the problem. As soon as she goes out when she's in the forest and she's, she finds she's a, a so happy. Yeah. Oh <laughs> she, she actually starts to heal from her grief and is like able to like flourish in the forest with these chimera who like don't care that, that she can't speak verbally. They have a different method of communication that they show her how to do. And it works beautifully for both of them. And, and that's, that's kind of the, one of the big things is like, it, it it's it's not her. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's literally everyone else. It's, it's oh. and that's, everyone else. Yeah. That's kind of a theme you brought up earlier that
0: um you were going through earlier iterations of Riley and trying to figure out which like what kind of physical thing would hold him back. But in the end of the day, in the book, all of his difficulties come from his family or from yeah. the society that yeah. he's operating in and and their own biases and.
2: And, like, yeah. getting he's chronic still be- migraines would be bad enough. Yeah, like, it is, it's the yeah. rest of the world yeah. that makes it complicated. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And the thing is, like, chronic migraines are are still a bitch and a half, and he will still be dealing with them in, yeah, in secret, yeah. obviously. That's- but, like, a lot of them are triggered by stress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's in an abusive home. <laughs> it's yep. very stressful. So there's a reason why they kind of dip off about halfway through when he decides to get out of that house and pursue his passion, which is... Being a medic, which in, in Citadel is a very feminine career path. It's pretty much the only career open to women that has any sort of respectability. Right. It, it's kind of there. So, so he does face stigma because he's doing a girly thing. And he is written to be, you know, not really anti-masculine, but he... He's, does not not of, he's, he's not stereotypically masculine. He's very he much is, not He's reedy.
2: He's not muscular.
1: He's not aggressive. Exactly. Olivia is stereotypically masculine. And, uh, she punches Riley a is lot of people. She <laughs> <laughs> does. She has anger issues. And Riley is stereotypically feminine. And that was very much on purpose. And I had a lot of fun with that. But he also gets a lot of pushback from the other medics and the women in his life. Yeah, who I think thought that was that very he, interesting. Yeah, because they, they see him as a threat. They're like, oh, he's in, in, this is our and And like, automatically assume he's gay and just yeah and so like very when...
2: interesting realistic reactions yeah
1: yeah <laughs> and you know it was so writing riley's point of view of chapters was really he's actually one of my favorite characters hands down um that really and came was,
2: through in the writing like there's a certain yeah. deafness that you that the prose has
1: yeah because like he is foiled with olivia in many ways you know she's she's autistic so she doesn't really she has a hard time reading emotions and she has an even harder time understanding like why are you feeling this way once she knows she's like oh totally understand she can work ben backwards there, done that myself. <laughs> yeah she can work backwards but she can't uh, whereas riley is very much the opposite he's very much a people person he's very aware of political and emotional and psychological climates so he is he's, he's, he's very deft with all that stuff but he's also he has this mask of like being not really perfect but like kind of submissive just kind of like you know i'm just the son of the governor like i'm just here like i'm, I'm a little bit of a well, booty he's, he's been taught like if you don't submit yeah. you're gonna get exactly you're gonna get killed basically because yeah. yeah. he's useless but um even when he was putting on that mask for three years he's been we find out pretty much right away he's been committing treason yeah and heresy he's very, he's been very quietly. Yeah. <laughs> quiet
2: quietly he's, he's
1: he's a quiet rebel and then learns to become a louder rebel over the mm-hmm. course of the story with olivia as inspiration yeah. for that so that, and it was really fun to write his journey for that and his struggle of figuring out if i do what I, my heart wants to do like i'll be, be able to help people i will be happy like it'll be great but if i do what my dad wants me to do i can still help a lot of people i might become governor i can hit these high political and legal ranks and that can also help a lot of people who really need it so it's like yeah i thought that was some interesting tension because it wasn't
0: just this simple like do i do what my dad tells me to do or not it was well like if i do what my dad wants me to like i may have a moral moral obligation obligation to to do that
1: that. might actually be the the morally
2: correct choice
1: Exactly. So that that was fun. And then foiling their relationships with their fathers, Mm -hmm. Riley with his family and Olivia with with her family, because Augustus, the villain, is Riley's father, and he is an asshole. He is, you know, very controlling. I am right. You are wrong. You follow my lead or you suffer the consequences. Yeah, he's not
2: just an asshole. He's, like, abusive to everyone
1: around him. (laughs) Yes, emotionally and psychologically. And he is very cold- And is I struggle with writing villains, but Augustus was like, we'll just strip away all of your humanity. It'll be fine. Basically, yeah. And then compared to Olivia's father, Ormus, who appears a little bit like that at Mm -hmm. first, because he is also a bit of a control freak. He's like... And he's quite know. conservative Olivia, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, Olivia's like, I'm gonna be a scientist, I'm gonna run off into the forest, I'm gonna do all these things. Normus is like, Please don't. Because I can't protect I love
2: that. That like because we got his point of view, like I loved seeing their dynamic from his point of view. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't really like him. She certainly doesn't love him. And and he really is attached to her. He loves her. He's very like she just can't see it when he tries yeah. to be nice. Yeah. So there's try- this huge yeah. disconnect. And I was telling Gabby when, when he goes over to Augustus's house for like a fancy dinner and, and mm-hmm. they use real cutlery and it scrapes mm-hmm. against the plate. And he was like, huh, that actually is a terrible noise.
1: Like, <laughs> that I was love such a, like a like beautiful it. moment. Yeah. 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 Super um, precious. <laughs> yep. I was uh, looking up what could potentially set off an autistic meltdown and yeah. Olivia and that god-awful scraping of cutlery against against porcelain plates that that actually came up in my research as like one of the main sensory really. issues that's so interesting with because autistic like people. with
2: holistic people even like in movies you'll see like the very quiet dinner with the only noise mm-hmm. is like the scraping and that raises the tension Ugh. in the scene so like it's, yep. it's not yep. just Olivia
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly, nobody whereas... likes that noise <laughs> Exactly. And it's a little detail, but like, you know, Ormus and and his second wife, Asaya, is, you know, they had regular cutlery and then Olivia came to live with them and they're like, okay, we're going to switch out to wooden somewhere yeah. because for her sake, and it, was, and it was a little thing. So like Ormus is trying, yeah. he's trying to connect with his, do- both of his daughters and, and he, he wants. Evelyn best recognizes for them, it though. Like, yes. <laughs> Evelyn is better at recognizing it than Olivia is. He, he's basically the epitome of he confused, but he got spirit.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he eventually, he, they eventually figure themselves out. And it's, you know, Ormus is, is really fun to come too because he, he's really complicated and he does, he has the positive character arc of, you know, finally able to connect with his family and let go of the control a little bit and trust them and believe in them and, and doing that and it works but he also does a lot of other on the other side, the, the political end of Citadel, you know, he, he does a lot of nasty things too, yeah. all in the name of protecting the town and he realizes his mistakes just to too late and it's yeah. like oh that's gonna come back to haunt me <laughs> and it will i did really like him though like he struck me as probably
2: the best fictional portrayal of the military man who's actually very like cool and reserved and conservative but actually like loves his family and goes out of his way to like mm-hmm. comfort them and be around for them type thing like yeah. that shows up on tv a lot but like this is the f- best portrayal i've seen of it in fiction
1: thank you yeah. yeah no peterson was also a really fun character to write too the the father figure for olivia H- he was actually based off of my grandfather <laughs> he seemed oh, like our was...
0: grandfather or your no grandfather. maternal other grandfather, <laughs> <other grandpa.
1: laughs> yeah a little bit of like i respect the institution and its rules but i also understand it's made a dumbass decision and i refuse to follow it you know the coarse gruff more obvious heart of gold yeah. type of thing. I just love right. characters like that. They're just really fun. And they're an interesting contrast to each other too, because I don't
0: remember for sure, but my impression is that Peterson has been in the military for longer than Ormus has. He's
1: older than Ormus. And, but he and hasn't. he has been in the program because, because he's, he's just a sergeant. And he's, he's yeah. sort poor. of aged out he's of poor. any more
2: promotions.
1: Yeah. He's poor. So mm-hmm. right up there. Oh, that's right. right. Right, right. He didn't get the jump to Einstein the way that Ormus did, who's rich. You know, everyone starts with, you know, two years of mandatory military service when they turn 18 in Citadel, all the men. But to become Um, an officer. uh, You got to have that rich education, and upbringing, which Ormus had and Peterson didn't. So that's why. And, and, you know, Peterson also has that struggle with authority himself, Mm -hmm. even though he loves his job and he loves the, the boys that he basically helps raise and train so that's why he's stuck with it for so long but like he he can't go any higher because he's poor and he he basically knows more than the officers above him and they don't like that yeah (laughs) which by the way is why our grandfather gabby could not climb any higher ranks he couldn't hide the um he didn't have the appropriate ass licking Yeah. <laughs> it's an no to trait, I'm afraid. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I don't
0: have that either.
1: <laughs> it was my dad. It's fine. But yeah, whereas Ormus, he was ahead in life. And it also helps that he is kind of blinded and by the dazzle of authority. And it's like, yes, sir, I can absolutely do that, sir. I can do that, sir. And then his realization of the flaws of the military and Citadel itself comes slower than yeah. it did for peterson.
2: Yeah. But like you still so. get to see that that transfer from like what got him so many raises was that yeah. yes sir mentality and believing it. Yeah. And so like to see him go from like and it makes sense from blinded. his point of
0: view to be like, you know, this role and all these bones I've been thrown have provided me and my family with this privilege and protection. Yeah. So we He's the keep, captain. He's in charge of the entire the military. Yeah. But as soon as that protection starts to fall apart is when he's like, maybe that's not as, yeah. 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 Very interesting. And it's one of
1: those, yeah, the whole blindness of privilege type of thing, because Ormus is obviously very privileged and he's kind of aware of the privilege and and the oppression. and, And like, he's not blind to the fact that men have it a lot easier in this society than women do. And that's, why he wants Olivia and Evelyn to act a certain way, because he wants what's best for them in this shitty, shitty society. But yeah. he doesn't think, I should change the society. He mm-hmm. thinks, I should change my girls. Contrasted with Riley, who is like, this is a problem. We should change the society, <laughs> not us. So, They're a fun group of characters to write, and I can't wait to get into the sequel. It's going to be really fun.
0: Do you have a favorite?
1: <sighs> Ma. <Mwahaha. laughs> I know. How um, could it not be Olivia? I mean, she's amazing. <laughs> I know. I know. Olivia is kind of the first thing that comes to my mind, and a good chunk of myself is in her, like the reverence of books, the mm. fuck this attitude, like. And she's she is just really cool and yeah. fun, so fun um, to read. But I also, but I also do really love Riley and how his quiet rebel, and he's basically a pacifist. Who's like, I'm not going to hurt anyone, I'm not going to kill anyone, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do, and if you don't like what I'm doing, either kill me or get out of my way. I got shit to do.
2: <laughs> Move. I also
1: and really I like just me- love-
2: Mecte, I will say that. Like he Mecte,
1: was, yep. He was just so empathetically honorable, which I just yeah. Liked. The Chimera were really fun to write as well because, like, they're they have this totally different culture. Mm -hmm. That that's what I was going to be talking trying to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We got Um, there. Yeah, yeah, they have this totally different culture of like you know they don't have the sexism, they don't have a patriarchy, they don't really have ableism, they don't have any of that. They have their own problems, and that's why it works so much better for Olivia. But also that changes how the individual thinks and how and their values and how they view themselves so Sirage and freckles he's super young and like happy freckles. and he's like i know that i probably shouldn't have you know approached this dangerous human kind of unarmed he's but i did it anyway like 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, 14-ish. 10 to 12 oh really he's i was a, gonna be like he's got closer to 15. <laughs> he, he is basically a kid and then Mekte is the the leader of his specific pack and yeah even though he really is defined by the the chimera honor system of like you you have these three tiers of honor yeah really showing cool honor too. to You're your like, friends yeah. and allies showing honor to strangers and neutral parties and showing honor to humans and and or enemies and they're all very they different age. and they all like play into it and it's just really it was really cool to see like you know his moral struggle of mm-hmm. like what what I have to do to protect my my pack and my people but I also like but now here's this human who's acting the way no other human has in 400 years and, and she's, she's, she's to asking put me,
2: herself on the line so what do I owe her yeah. for doing that
1: exactly and so their whole relationship was also just really really cool and you know Surya's family because you know it's briefly mentioned that Citadel is also, of course, homophobic and transphobic, mm-hmm. and that gets explored more in the sequel. But, of course, the Chimera are not, so Sarish has two dads. And it's just, it was just really fun. Like like I said, I'm a nerd, so having the different histories and the different cultures and how they clash and work together and how one can kind of go back and forth between them and, oh, <laughs> this is one of my favorite parts about writing. This is why I love science fiction and fantasy so much. You can just do whatever and Yay. it works. Literally build a planet. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And, and decide who lives and who dies. I am a god. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what was your favorite scene to write? Or to read, like, after now that it's all out? I don't
1: know. <laughs> um... <laughs> um <laughs> the ending is pretty satisfying to to read through, mm-hmm. um, especially probably because it gave me just so much trouble you know, with all those tinkerings and revisions. Some of my favorite scenes to write were the, the fight scenes. Could you you have a really black belt, critical. right, in karate? Yes, I I got a black belt in self-defense. It does. It does. And although it's been over a decade, literally. But I still do remember the basics of like what parts to to target Mm -hmm. and how and how to hold yourself and like what to do to get someone on the ground, what to do if someone has you on the ground, basic escapes and stuff like that. So that does play into a lot of it. And then we also did a little bit of weapons training which, um, informed a lot of the Blackwing stuff. Um, I had a little archery stint, which uh, when I was a kid too, which also helped with Olivia because she's firing a bow. And then my grandfather, not ours, Gabby, maternal side again, (laughs) taught me and my brother how to shoot guns. So that also came into play a little bit. Yeah. But honestly, anything to do with the world building was really cool, especially since it's from Citadel's perspective, like it's science fiction, it's on an alien planet and you usually expect, you know, these hyper futuristic settings, but that's not the case with Citadel because they're, they're so hobbled. So much was lost, yeah. So much was lost. And so they're basically relying on what's around them. And they have, they have a little bit of a jump because they have a bunch of knowledge, but it's on an alien planet, how much of that is actually useful and feasible. They were starting from scratch 400 years ago. So they they know how things like clocks and guns and all these other things they know how they work in theory they have the blueprints they just don't but have the don't materials have, to yeah make they don't have them the raw materials mass. yeah exactly I and, really uh,
2: enjoyed that it was actually, that
1: was interesting it's actually my dad who pointed out that the type of guns that they used it was different in earlier iterations um, but he was saying how smelting is actually a lot easier to do than like rifles and or bullets or whatever so that's why um, the revolver was the first oh. handgun that we mm-hmm. developed because it was just easier to make the, the bullets just these little round nubs that may or may not hit what you're actually aiming at. Who knows? No. So
0: Yay. Is there anything that you want to tell us about Sanctuary or what you have planned for the future? Although hard to get into so, without I spoiling.
1: Yeah, yeah I have or a like, you know, knowing if if it doesn't up? get picked up
2: by your publisher you are you gonna go forward anyway and self-publish it
1: yeah that's i mean like i'd have to double check the legalities of it of like you know what rights would they have to a sequel what's barring me from it or you Mm. know all that jazz but one way or another a sequel is gonna be made um that's that's just fact. and in terms of the main story plot and what i can tell you about it one of the biggest issues in citadel was that the city is overpopulated but they mm-hmm. have nowhere to go because they're surrounded by the chimera slash demons in this, mm-hmm. in this flooded forest. So they're, they're trying to find spaces for a second city and they can't because they keep getting attacked or they keep getting flooded or stuff happens. In book two, Riley basically comes up with the idea of like, okay, any human who wants to live out in this forest in this second location you've chosen out can, but it's going to be under chimera rule. Ooh. so the whole idea of sanctuary which is the name of this second town is right. it's it's you know human refugees basically and chimera from wherever you know coming to this new place and building a new city together wow. and obviously Augustus like a lot of people wanna... like, that. <laughs> no? so, like obviously there's going to be saboteurs there's gonna be obviously. you know people who, like yeah, The obvious one. And then there's also going to be like, you know, those people who are like, I want us to succeed, but success looks like this. And, mm-hmm. you know, other humans who are just like, I think that we we should convert the chimera to, you know, our religion and our way of life. And have us and others are just like, uh, no, the chimera clearly know what they're on about. <laughs> we should <laughs> do it their way. And like, you know, the, some of the chimera, we get more into them. We're going to get some chapters from Sriracha's point of view. And oh, so getting more into into how chimera works and how their culture works and so there's going to be some chimera who are like fully supportive of this like okay yep yeah, let's do this we've been stuck together for 400 years let's figure out a way to actually do this peacefully some chimera who are like you all are nuts good luck and other chimera who are just like oh look more humans to eat so you can yeah it's an <laughs> I know, right? and it's all this big giant mess of just like all these different people with all their different agendas and how do we make it work and like who lives who dies and like oh yeah winter is coming up too that's a thing we need to worry about uh, that's right this was so yeah long. yeah Citadel so it took place like two months basically in the yeah. summer months of, of Adelaide, and then you know book two is going to take place right up after that but like fall has just started yeah. so it's going to be like Olivia and Riley are like you know stranded in the middle of the forest like hmm <laughs> nah. This is Make a problem. A
2: cold. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll cuddle for warmth. That'll be fine.
0: <laughs> I think you had a couple questions about the role religion has in both of her series. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, it was mostly just me observing the parallels between your novel and your novellas in that both deal with larger... more I mean, the novella is less so, but large world-shaking events or shifts mm-hmm. in culture. And also that like religion is such a driving force in both of your works. Like, so is that a driving force in your daily life? Or is that just something fascinating that you just keep coming back?
1: To? Yeah, both. Both. Yes. <laughs> um. So I am, I do consider myself a somewhat religious person, but I am a it's hard for you to see, but I am a Buddhist actually. Okay. So when I say I'm religious, I'm am a religious Buddhist. I've been practicing Eastern Buddhism since I was 16, so over a decade at this point, and that does drive a lot. But it also like means that you know organized religion as a whole is just. So fascinating and such a mess. and it's <laughs> That's been... another parallel. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's and yeah, it's been a force of a lot of good in the world. Like I'll be the first to say that I would not be where I am without Nietzsche and Buddhism. Like it has been a literal lifesaver. But also, it's done some horrible things. Like we all mostly grew up with Christianity, so we'll we'll poke fun at that. But like you know, the Crusades, just for starters, and like. The treatment of, of religious minorities, the Spanish Inquisition, the, you know, everything. It's so... Pretty much whenever religion uh, turns political. Yep. Yeah, whenever there's there are political interests, it, it gets dicey and messy. So, yeah, those, those do pop up in my stories because I do find it so fascinating. And with the Blackwing novella, and we get more into this, especially in uh, Book 4, Ghost Peak, coming out May 5th. um where there are actual gods and deities and angels and like that's you know that causes problems and so that's really cool to see like okay what if we had like a global conflict and like you know Athens and Greece but like the gods were actually a thing and they were stirring some shit and driving forces and you know all that jazz and then with Citadel it's not clear it's science fiction so like there's no the hundred-faced god is not going to come down and you know scold them Smite for being people. bad but like yeah. exactly so you know you have but people like fight. augustus yeah <laughs> but you have, you, you have people like augustus who basically embody all of the the negatives about organized religion and how it can be used and abused as a tool for oppression and and for war and for power and for keeping the rich rich and the poor poor like it's it's all embodied in him in that negative way but you also have characters like riley and to a lesser extent asaya who embody basically all the good of religion you know obviously he gets a lot of inspiration from his friend olivia but he also whenever he's like particularly worried or sad or just in a tough spot he always turns to religion for guidance and and for help and it does help him And then you have Olivia, who's a total outsider of all this, because she's an atheist, because she was just hurt so deeply by this religious dogma. So she and Riley work together very well, because for Riley, he's like, scripture teaches me to be a good person. It teaches me to, you know, be generous and to treat others the way I want to be treated and to seek peace of mind and to conquer my inner demons. And there's this scene later on in the story where he's, you know, just lost a ton of his friends. And she finds him in this little quiet temple and she's just, you know, sitting with him there for him and she's like, okay, if this is what religion is supposed to be about, I can actually see the appeal a little bit. I'm still very much an atheist, but, like, I can respect that this is how Riley gets his head on straight because he's created this whole little peaceful bubble for meditation and and for Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then it all goes to shit again. But, yeah, so... You know, religion is is a tool. It's a double-edged sword. It, it's, you know, helped as much as it's hurt, basically. And it all depends on the people who use it. And that's just what I've found and seen throughout history and, and in my own life. And uh, so, yeah, don't be an Augustus. Be a Riley. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gabby, don't be like Augustus. <laughs>
2: she's so in danger of turning into him. <laughs> I'm trying okay (laughs) Um, I
0: think that was more or less everything on our list about Citadel and Blackwing so before we ask any miscellaneous questions was there anything else you wanted to say about either Blackwing or Citadel
1: first three books of Blackwing are available for now ebook only we are working on an audio version they're all available on Amazon
0: yeah what about not yet not yet okay not but... yet.
1: It's coming. Uh, I do want once the once books four and five are out, I want to squeeze all five together into like a collection, an omnibus, and yeah, yeah and and do it that way. I refuse to produce the paper and the plastic required to make books when they're like itty bitty no i refuse i'm gonna waste resources responsibly damn it um send it out on the other hand comes out june 20th and that is available in hardcover paperback audio and ebook so go forth and impulse buy (laughs) (laughs) right now you can pre-order it yeah i know right it's gonna if if you're watching this on youtube everything is going to be linked in the description so you have no excuse
0: We'll probably have links in the show notes, but I mean, hard to say when those show notes I'm will be up. Slow on show notes, but but
1: they're they're by, coming. <laughs> by the time they're up, it will
0: be available, and you can immediately click and buy. So there we go.
1: So um, yeah, that's pretty much all I can say about that. What are so, the miscellanies?
0: Well, so I was just going to follow that up with you had mentioned you have a lot of projects on your various mm-hmm. burners. Are there any in particular that you want to m- mention? Yeah. About accidental so, kidnapping. Yeah. What?
1: Accidentally kidnapped was based off of a TikTok series, a mini TikTok series that I did that was Holy based on a Tumblr prompt. <laughs> <laughs> it is delightful. It's Those are always um, fun. <laughs> I know. The Tumblr prompt was basically a dark lord who you know, someone who has a reputation as a dark lord actually has a moral code, takes in a princess who's obviously been abused and her kingdom comes knocking a little while later saying you've clearly kidnapped our princess give her back so it's either give her back to her family or declare war and that mm. spawned a tiktok series that was that premise and it was you know like i said mostly fun and lighthearted, even though there was murder involved um and <laughs> it fun got murder, yeah.
0: <laughs> it <was fun> murder.
1: <laughs> just a little like poisoning it was fine um <laughs> and that uh those um four videos it was got so popular and I got so many comments saying like is this based off of a book what's the book called like are you gonna write this into a book like where's the book where's the show like what is it? and it was like well, I am a writer. I might as well just freaking write this thing. So I knew that if I waited until it would be polished and like perfect and ready for consumption, that would be over a year from now and nobody would Mm -hmm. care. So Mm -hmm. basically what I've started doing is posting each chapter of my rough draft as I write it chapter by chapter onto my Patreon. Mm -hmm. And then, With like about eight different disclaimers saying, oh, this is a rough draft. It is not perfect. It's going to be revised and probably rewritten within an inch of its life. I already have several revision notes. Like the first act is going to get a complete overhaul, like stuff like that. But they're really enjoying it. So I can't complain. They're liking it as it is now, which is a good sign. That's what that's called. It is. It is a success. Yeah. So the plan is we're about, we just passed the midpoint. So we're like 27 chapters in. There's like 20 more planned. And because I said I outlined this (laughs) and um, once that's done and everything is on Patreon, then it's going to be like, you know, bring it all together, revise, rewrite, give it to my agents so they can find a publisher for it. So that's that. It's probably going to get renamed into something like Kingdom of Starlight. But for now, it's called Accidentally Kidnapped. there's that and then speaking of tiktok um i also have an ongoing tiktok series that i was on hiatus hiatus is gonna end tomorrow i just finished filming i just gotta finish editing cafe latte which is basically supernatural meets two broke girls it's a cafe run by fairies and they get to deal with food service and karen's and fairy hunters and all that jazz and it's just it's been really fun it's a lot of wish fulfillment speaking as someone who works in the food service industry yeah. <laughs> um, definitely definitely fluffier and lighter than the likes of citadel and even blackwing that is probably going to get its own book um, i have said that once once accidentally kidnapped is done and once sanctuary is at least rough draft and you know bomb the onto other, a document. Yeah. yeah uh then yes i will sit down and i will basically do what i'm doing with accidentally kidnapped but with cafe latte and it will probably be darker than what is actually on my social media because I'm just incapable of writing something Cozy. actually like this. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. For
0: anyone who's listening and isn't watching this on YouTube um, and couldn't see the Tumblr she held up, Cafe Latte is spelled C-A-F-A-E. Because yes. it's Faye. Anyway, it's very funny. And I had to make sure that was clear.
2: How to make sure the joke comes through.
1: I know, right? The first two episodes, I literally just called it Fey Latte. And it wasn't until I got a bunch of comments saying like this should be called Cafe Latte. And I'm like, You are all, all geniuses. <laughs> like that's- I, feed why them. am I not this great? <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a. Li- I am starting to take them from TikTok and upload them onto my YouTube channel in seasons, batches. Mm-hmm. So if you see season one, like the first, the first couple of them are, you know, welcome to fey Latte, and, and it's not until episode three that's Cafe Latte. Oh, Amazing. Wow. Okay,
0: I think that's your content all <laughs> wrapped up. Yeah if we wanted to the only other thing i thought we could end with were just some when smack and i finally
2: recorded the intro episode the
0: intro episode we just like talked about because this the idea of the podcast was to get through our giant tbr piles we talked about our reading mm-hmm. personalities kind of But like things like you talked about your attitude towards spoilers, you mentioned that you're a, this is more writing than reading, but you mentioned that you're a a plotter instead of a pantser. So I yep. thought we could just ask like a couple more uh, questions along those lines. Like, what are your favorite genres to read, for example?
1: Fantasy and sci-fi, yeah. hands down. Well, every okay, like sub-genres. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say, though, in terms of, like, you know, while I am usually in the fantasy sci-fi land, I will occasionally throw in a bit of classical literature or a nonfiction book um, mm. because I found that hopping across genres helps prevent book hangovers and and reading blocks. But in terms of subgenres, usually epic fantasy, that is fantasy that takes place in other worlds, like mm-hmm. not Earth, Earth is not even a thing. It's, you know, your Lord of the Rings, your Game of Thrones. I tend to go for darker fantasy as well with like life and death stakes and all that jazz, but it has to have a happy ending. Like I can't really do tragedies. Yes, I, it, At the very least- <laughs> What? I, yeah. I wrote a very okay. cozy a very dragon story. <laughs> I can do happy Um, (laughs) endings. Yeah, (laughs) at the very least, it has to be a bittersweet ending, Um, which Hmm. should tell you all right there. That's that's also true of my writing as well. So, like, you're never gonna catch me with a tragedy because I just I can't do them. But you heard here happily ever after, not in writing. Happily (laughs) ever after, or uh, or happily for now. I do like urban fantasy as well, just because it's really cool to see like how the real world blends with the fantastical it's usually fantasy. Sci-fi does pop up every now and then. When it is sci-fi, it's usually like really futuristic, like really far out there. Like um, Nadia Khorfor's work, it's really good if you haven't. That tends to be darker stuff. But yeah, stuff like that. Post-apocalypses. Fun fact, Citadel was originally a post-apocalypse on Earth. Before I moved oh, into I'm an right. alien, like it still
2: like, is sort of post-apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, no, by, by, like
1: on Earth, like they, li- okay. Olivia was literally you know shuffling through the ruins of Washington D.C. in some mm-hmm. of the earlier iterations. So yeah, that that tends to be you know either young adult or new adult, bouncing back and forth between those two. I don't really care. Yeah, if it if it's dark, if it's epic fantasy, if the main character is a minority. So woman or queer or person of color or neurodivergent or disabled or something like that, then I that's gonna catch my attention right away. But hey, I'm so sick and tired of books that, you know, center around the the default quote unquote, this neurotypical set set white dude. You have billions of stories to choose choose from there. Yep. Yeah, there's
0: so many. So many. So many. Actually, I
2: don't actually no, the last time you, you did <laughs> yeah.
0: it's funny like once you go out of your way to
2: yeah kind of avoid it like it's actually super easy to do yeah it's not that hard
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah it's usually the last time I do that was like my last thing with the classics I think mm-hmm. which I think was Count of Monte Cristo although you could argue that the main character of that one is black right? or at least mixed race because you know Alexandre Dumas mm-hmm. was black
0: so favorite, I not won't necessarily make you pick a favorite author unless you have one like offhand. But if you want to, you already mentioned Nnedi Okorafor, Nnedi Okorafor, um,
1: and Rick Riordan and George R. R. Martin. Okay, okay.
0: I just want to make sure you hit all the favorites that you wanted to hit. When you read books, do you prefer hard, or not hard cover, but hard physical, physical copies, yeah. ebooks, Always or physical, audio?
1: Yeah. Okay. Always the physical copy. Like I no, I I, like I respect people who listen to audiobooks. Like I totally get it. That is a valid version of reading. That's totally fine. I just can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally in one ear and out the other for me. I I just can't absorb information like that. I'm very visual. And while I could, you know, I know ebooks are cheaper and all that stuff, but like I spend so long staring at a screen already writing books and doing the video editing stuff and all the other things. I no, I can't. Yeah. Just want for my leisure time? Yes, for my leisure time I need something. And also like my bookshelf is like right there and it just it's so. It's is that so what you were, satisfied. At, like you were looking at? Yeah, <laughs> when I was looking at my books and my titles, it was so it's so like, satisfying where, to just. Doesn't at it just fill to- your heart with joy? To it does. Just- really does to see the books, see my pretties. She gets it.
0: She does. How do you travel
1: with books when you go on vacation? So obviously, you have the, whatever book you're currently reading. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it doesn't matter how far into that book you are, whether you've just started it or whether you're almost done with it. Because if you just started it, like, you don't know if you're actually going to, like, finish it. Because something could happen or you well, could you just not know. mesh with it and like, it could
2: be, could be <laughs> Why a Look so at me. You...
1: <laughs> so you absolutely have to have a backup book. You need mm-hmm. at least two books when you're out on vacation. And if you're going to be on vacation for a while, like, three weeks or whatever or even a month (laughs) i'm not i'm not as fast of a reader as i used to be especially since i've started doing writing as a career like i just don't have the mental bandwagon for it as i used to so it usually takes me at least a week to read through at least one book but you know depending on how far into that first book i already am or how long i'm on vacation i might have a second backup book however you still have to have room in your bag because of course you're going to hit the bookstore while you're on <laughs> vacation, Obviously. so you need to have room Obviously. for the books that you're bringing back. So it's really, so like you're just one backup book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. One backup book is probably all that you need because you but are you- going to hit a bookstore, whether that's in the town or in the airport. You're going to hit it,
0: <laughs> but you travel with the hard copies of your books. You don't, like, yes, usually, upload. even yes. if it's
1: a hardcover. Yes. Oh my god. That makes it more durable. That's even better. Then you're not worried That's about you know, I was it or it, like you know or you know it you know, messing around with other stuff in your bag if it gets bumped I or like the, the cover's not gonna get hurt. It's gonna it's gonna ha- take it.
2: <laughs> I am very particular about how <laughs> how pristine I keep my book. Even like I can't travel with hardcovers because like the dust jacket gets mixed up and the little like edges of the binding on the spine. Like I travel mm. with ebooks. There's a reason I travel with ebooks. I can't
1: <laughs> And that's totally valid. Like all yeah. forms of reading are valid. Obviously, I get it, we but were your <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Also, like the more books you carry with you, the stronger you get. You don't you know you don't feel Mm -hmm. guilty about missing the gym.
2: Yeah. There's that, yeah. Because you're busy buying books. It is cheaper than a gym membership. Yeah. Usually. So there you go. (laughs) Depends on the gym.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what do you do with your TBR? Speaking of
2: infinite TBR. How do you like organize your books?
1: So all of my books. Are on basically one of two shelves. Mm -hmm. Like there's a shelf that has like my nonfiction stuff and my shelf for my fiction stuff, and they're organized by author, regardless of whether I've read them or not. Okay, very Um, cool. They're just they're just all there. And then although with the fiction stuff, there is one shelf that's dedicated specifically to classics, Mm -hmm. because every now and then I'll I'll just feel the need for a a good classic. You know, I don't want to do a sci fi fantasy, so like that just makes it easier. Palette cleanser. Um, Yeah, the palate cleanser. But everything else is alphabetized by author's last name. And then whenever I'm in the mood for a new book, you know, time to do something off my TBR pile, I literally just browse my shelf. Sometimes I'll know, like right ahead, like, you know, I really want to read this specific book or I really want to read this specific genre or like I've read adults for the last five books. Let's go something new adult or young adult. But also sometimes I'm just like, yeah, this looks good. It's been on my shelf for a while, and they all fit on your shelf. I know that's
2: that's my <laughs> next question.
1: For or how nails? much longer? <laughs> uh, it's, it's getting it's getting dicey. There's a reason why I have two bookshelves. Although it's actually like two and a half technically. We got one of those shelf things where that also has like the cloth drawers, so like you can kind of put anything uh, on okay. there like, to save space. But I share that with my roommates. There's not a whole lot of room on it. Hmm. and we're all bookworms oh okay do you share yeah there's a third bookshelf that's built into the apartment that belongs to my roommate so okay is but there i a don't room? i don't share my bookshelf. A room oh, yeah, for exactly. <laughs> is a room for another bookshelf um maybe like i might have one like oh no the air conditioner is right there maybe if it was a short one like here okay like (laughs) my roommate shaking her head at me no (laughs) 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 Um, oh yeah the heater's there
0: that's that's a problem dang it do you need to be
1: kept warm
2: in minnesota you just said it's 80 you're fine yeah it's 80
1: you're fine i mean yeah now in summer but come come at us again in january
0: (laughs) (laughs) can you read more than one book at a
1: time
0: are you a dual wielder? Really.
1: No, I used to be able to do that, but I I can't do it anymore. Like the closest I've gotten recently was like I was in a book slump, which I hated, and I just couldn't do it. And then for some reason, I like my brain fixated on a book that I'd already read, uh Scythe, the Scythe series by Neil. Shuster, it's right? Yes, yes, that one. And I just fixated, so I started to reread book one, and then I went shopping for something else entirely. And of course, I bought a book. And that was The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Mm. And I'm currently starting, yep, starting to reread the old favorite, got me in the mood to start reading a new book. So I'm technically reading two at once, although I think I'm just going to put Scythe back on the shelf. But it, right. It's done its job. It served its purpose. It got me out of the slump.
0: And you've read it before, so it's not like you're... Oh, yeah, I've, I've read reading. all three books. Under what circumstances do you DNF? Like we have a if I'm, kind of like a hundred pages page. or halfway through. Yeah, depending on enjoying it. But, yeah.
1: yeah, no, for me, if I'm like a third of the way through and I'm still not connecting with any of the characters or if I can like foresee everything happening in the plot and not in a good way, that's pretty much a DNF. The, I was telling you earlier when we were, it's a good book. It's a sequel to The Girl Who Could Move Shit With Her Mind which is basically secret superheroes, you know, working for the government. Who's that by? And the sequel. I can't see those. There's, there's a little ornament in the way. But yeah, the sequel, random shit flying through the air. I'm like three quarters of the way through that. And for some reason, I just couldn't. Like, that's when the reading sort serious, started. Three quarters was like
2: serious. Like,
1: it. Invest- yeah. and like are Yeah, enjoying it. And I was enjoying it. That's the thing. But my brain was just not braining. Um... <laughs> With it, like the, the characters happens. were charactering, the world was worlding, the plot was plotting. Like it's a good book. It is not the book's problem here. I'm clearly the problem with this one. So at this point, it's like put it back on the shelf. Clearly, my I need to be in a better headspace to properly do it. But for the most part, if I start a book, I'm gonna finish it. Okay. Uh, so I don't nothing find else to doing say. that much anyway. No. um In fact, Moby Dick was the closest <laughs> DNF by Herman Melville <laughs> by Herman Melville because god I came so close to DNFing it so many times because it's it's a 600 page book I was reading the adult is this it 600 really I had no be... idea it was that long I thought it's it was like a pages, 300 page book it should just be 300 pages yes. alright smack it should be 300 but it's not wow. it's 600 pages only 300 of it is necessary and the other 300 Even is basically okay. like Here's how the ship works. Here's how wheeling works. Here's a history. That's how of long wheels. the absolute <laughs> book is. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Wait, was oh God. Okay. And it's like, none of this matters. None of it is important for the plot. It's basically read like an article, and it's just like, so, and by then I was like, I'm halfway through this thing. I'm It's a classic. I'm going to finish it. And I'm going just to say that I finished it. Nope. But at the most part, honestly, was I was kind of like skimming through. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the real question. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I was skimming sure, through a lot of the chapters by, by the end there, I'm waiting for the plot to actually happen. Um, I feel like I real should real be compensated for should... my time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to interject here real quick. The Girl Who Could Move Shit With Her Mind is by Jackson Ford. We keep a list in
1: our show notes. There you go. Makes sense. Yep. Yep. And it is a good book. I do recommend that one. That is like nine out of ten for
2: me.
1: Yes. The Girl Who Can Move Show with Mine and the sequel, Random Shift Landing Through the Air. And there's like two others. It's like a four book series at this point. So yeah, they are good. They're hilarious. The main character is a dumbass. It's great. (laughs) It it takes a lot of skill to convincingly write a stupid character. Like,
0: it's that uh, you're really in a way that's in (laughs) theory.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 An endearingly stupid character. <laughs> like a little yeah, dum-dum. Yep.
0: Sweet little dum-dum. Yep. What are you gonna do next? Yep.
1: <laughs> so it's it's rare for me to DNF mostly because of pride. Like I started this thing, by God, I'm gonna finish it.
2: <laughs> I can understand that. It's amazing.
1: I think that was all of our
0: ITBR questions. Anything else you wanna say, to send off buy my books or my merch heck yeah i've, I've got both <laughs> thank you for coming on that was this was chris alangi um pen name is cm Alonji. and here's hoping on june 20th
1: of this year you, you go pick out. up
2: an excellent book exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> an
1: excellent I'll, I'll put you down as our creators you know tell me Gross. all the things i did wrong
0: yes this is another episode of infinite tbr you can find us on our twitter at infinite tbr and
2: we are individually on twitter as at what smack said and at gabalodon which is like megalodon but gab in the front of it and you can find all our show notes at InfiniteTBR.com. if you have book recommendations for us or questions you want answered during the podcast feel free to email us at itbrshelf at gmail.com.